on tonight's show, we watched Drive Angry with Nicolas Cage. No, we watched Drive Hard with John Cusack. It was a white line nightmare. <laughs> Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. We did it, guys. I'm Stuart Wellington. We continue to do something. I don't know what we did, yeah, but doing I'm doing it. Stu, you, you're, every time you're really proud of something. Slam <laughs> dunk. Okay, what did we accomplish when we Slam dunk. Uh, sure. Uh, we <laughs> got a South grand Amer- slam. For our South American listeners, what he's saying is goal. <laughs> Uh, so this is... Ud, comma, <laughs> City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curlies. <laughs> a lot of people don't that's know what they're all saying. That's what they're saying, that you never hear them finish it. They go, goal! Yeah, everyone is too excited by the goal that just happened. And the crowd noise. Yeah, comma, like the, City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curlies. They're talking about the movie bit. Gold starring Roger Moore. No, not at all. Roger that, Moore. That's got an awesome opening credit sequence, though. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's awesome. The movie, The Folks. <laughs> the movie that stutters its title. Uh, but we didn't watch any Roger Moore movie tonight. No, sadly. we watched Rogerless. <laughs> this movie was Rogerless. Um, we there watched might have been someone named Roger involved. <laughs> Probably Roger Sterling from Mad Men. No, that's a yep. fictional character, so no. <laughs> okay, uh, Roger is- Zelazny. <laughs> <laughs> this is. <laughs> Of the Amber's books? (laughs) Yep, he wrote the original story. Short story that was adapted to the screenplay of... Drive Angry. 3D. Rated R. Number one. Playing at... That's not the movie that we watched. (laughs) What movie did we watch, Dan? All right, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and we talk about it. And in this case, we watched a movie called Drive Hard. Drive... Doesn't sound like a movie. Hard. Now, here's the thing. Drive... Erect. Ah, that's why you picked it. Three things about this movie. One, it's technically not out in theaters yet. We watched it on demand before it's released. It comes out in October. I don't think it's ever going to get released. (laughs) Release date is listed, dude. October 3rd. I I feel like this movie, I saw trailers for it. Drive hard, not soft. Drive hard. Uh, yeah, yeah. In your, when you were a kid, you had a vision of it. It was a real uh, Freddy Three Dream Warriors type situation. It's getting pushed back, and it's been on demand for quite some time. So for them to put it out theatrically People keep demanding it. Is would be very strange. Yeah, they're just trying to find that perfect window. Now, Drive Hard... Uh, right after Ricky and the Flash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, the movie Meryl, Street. Meryl Street, yeah. yeah. It's all about uh, a mom who's also a rock star, and she teams up with superhero The Flash. That is not what we just watched. No, that's not. We watched, <laughs> we watched Drive Hard, which is perhaps the softest driving movie I've ever seen. They yeah, sh- downy as I, soft. As I said to Stuart, we're watching it. This is the t- this is the warm bath of action movies. Mm-hmm. It never wants to make you too thrilled or too worried. It's pretty yeah. easygoing. The kind of movie where uh, you, it's a uh, got drive. The name's Drive Hard. Mm-hmm. The main character is a car race, a race car driver. Car Played race by driver. Thomas Jane. Played by Thomas Jane, the man whose name backwards is a girl's name, Jane mm-hmm. Thomas. Mm-hmm. And uh, he doesn't. Oh, that's really interesting. He never drives <laughs> particularly fast. No. <laughs> Even, uh, but it's well, also got John, parentheses, not Joan Cusack. Okay. 
Uh, John Cusack, who is kind of a, uh, he's kind of like, if you took Thomas Jane and John Cusack and mashed them together, you'd kind of have one Nicolas Cage. You'd kind have of. some leftovers. I'm not life. saying they would only make one Nicolas Cage. some little generic bits. Or you're saying there'd be extra Nicolas Cage they weren't taken care of. <laughs> well, yeah, be it'd extra, be served in a little sidecar class. Extra parts <laughs> of them would be left over, like... Like, you know, like there's waste products. Like Thomas Jane's hair. Yeah, he's only got 10 fingers. He doesn't need 20 <laughs> fingers. That's crazy. Some kind of double cage. Now, you said there were four things that I you I don't remember to. what the other things <laughs> okay, were. Okay, well, so, we're like, off to a roaring start. So, Nicholas, so uh, John Cusack is playing the, well, they're, yeah, they're both kind of playing the Nicholas Cage parts in this. It's about a former race car driver who oh is now. Oh, my God. Wouldn't this have been great if Nicholas Cage <laughs> played both parts? Yes. But every movie would be better if Nicholas Cage played both parts. Name a movie that wouldn't be better if Nicholas Cage played both, both parts. Rain Man? Better. King Kong versus Godzilla? Better. Is mm-hmm. Girl Friday? Better. <laughs> yeah. I could see it. Twins? Not as good because the joke that they're twins that aren't alike would be ruined because they'd both be Nicholas Cage. Unless. You use prosthetic makeup and computer-generated effects to make one a super strong Nicolas Cage and one a little kind of stout, fat Nicolas Cage. And everyone's like, this is a weird prequel to adaptation. It doesn't seem to make any... Dirty Dancing would have been great with two Nicolas Cages. <laughs> but he's oh, both boy. Baby and Patrick Swayze and Baby's dad, Jerry mm-hmm. Orbach. No one puts me in the corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless it's me, I guess. <laughs> I, I suppose I, I, I could put I you in the corner. If I sat over here on part, wait, hold on. I have to lift myself up at the end of the dance, and I'm not sure how I'm going to do Let that. Think about the physics of this. <laughs> so a terrible impression of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, they all are. Yeah, they're all pretty bad. What other movies would be better if Nicolas Cage was in it? Kind of all of them, right? We'll, yeah. we'll revisit this later at the end of the show. It's kind of hard. We won't revisit this in our dreams forever. Listeners, in call dreams. in and we'll uh, we'll update uh, the podcast. Yeah, just as we did that run of uh, <laughs> we'll do an errata later on. <laughs> Erotic errata. Uh, just a, a correction: Stuart was wearing pants. <laughs> wow, that is not very erotic. Well, it was a, a correction of the erotic content. Uh, okay, it's more erotic for me. I get to imagine what's under there. <laughs> <laughs> because the sexiest thing is what you can't see. That's why the sexiest movie ever made is The Invisible Man. <laughs> is I was going to say Casper, but then that's a child ghost. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so Good. Nice self-edit. Yeah. yeah. And the sexiest author is H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, because everything is indescribable. <laughs> oh, I was like... Why? Because of his I mean, a certain number of his elder gods. Racism. Are, I don't know. What yep. A certain number of his elder gods are essentially ambulatory, super powerful vaginas. So, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. what can you do? Sexy. Yeah, his issues. Yeah, it's weird that a guy whose last name issues. is Lovecraft is not an erotica author. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So How anyway, penis Lovecraft. <laughs> You know what? Why don't we just call you HP? Everyone's going to think I'm a Hewlett Packard Lovecraft. That's not my name. People are going to make fun of me. <laughs> They're going to think I'm me, HP Lovecraft. They're going to make fun of my name. That's from the HP Lovecraft story starring Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> not I, a respectable name like Hump Penis. I think of immigrants and, and, and other minority groups as kind of subhuman. And for me, they're real-life ind- indications of, of cosmic horrors. <laughs> Uh, tell me, tell me this, uh, tell me this, Madeline. Uh, what's scarier than a force so so malevolent and powerful? It crushes you not out of malevolent feeling itself, but just because it doesn't even notice you. <laughs> it always goes to Don Knotts. 
before ending on that Sean Connery. That was one of my better Jimmy Stewart's show. I want to take the moon down from the stars. You can swallow it and let the light shine out your fingertips so you can scare away Nyarlathotep crawling chaos. I was, uh, I was talking about, like, uh, It's a Wonderful Life recently. About how, then like, let's that, get back on top. No, wait, hold on. There's that scene where, like, the, the, uh, the great scene where they open up the pool under the people dancing. And they do it because, like, the one guy's, like, uh, been jilted by Mary. Not really jilted, but, like, uh, Jimmy Stewart has, has stolen her away. Stolen her away. And it's not that he, like, knows that the there's a pool under there. There's a guy standing down there being like, stole your girl, huh? <laughs> Might interest you to know that there's a pool under it. And it's just like, is he just there, like, waiting to stir the shit? Oh, like, I have ass- there been five guys before him with the same problem? I that was Carrying person. hamburgers, I would imagine. <laughs> after their namesake, five guys. Yeah. <laughs> I assumed that was Satan himself <laughs> coming to play a trick on old George Bailey. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Now I started to think that Harvey is some kind of a Shoggoth on another plane of reality, and maybe that's why nobody could see him, except except Jimmy Stewart, who had used that machine from From Beyond. Yep. Oh man, my name's my name's Herbert West. I'm, you might call a reanimator. <laughs> it's, it's still a great, that's way more done. Yeah, it's still Don nuts. That's from. He would have been a from, great rean, uh, uh, Herbert West. The, the Ghost and Mr. Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it is a tragedy that Jimmy Stewart was never forced to say the word Shaga. <laughs> I now I really like I regret that that the Golden Age of Hollywood didn't see an HP Lovecraft adaptation. Yeah. There wasn't an HP Lovecraft based movie like until F. what? F.W. Murnau could have done a really good one. Yeah, yeah except that he died before sound came in. <laughs> All right. HP Lovecraft his best work was still ahead of him kind of, I think. I don't remember how the timeline works out. Uh, we should probably get back to the movie. Actually, so we watched watch. this movie, Hard Drive. No, Drive Hard. Oh, wait, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> Drive Hard was originally titled Hard Drive. So exactly. That's why at the end, Thomas Jane says it's been a hard drive. <laughs> but <laughs> someone, someone late in the process was like, "Uh, this means something else now with computers." Oh, well, let's let's do the, familiar with when the, the script was originally written, computers didn't exist. And the, direc- <laughs> <laughs> the director, Brian Treacher Smith, was like, "Well, uh, let's do the old Alabaruga switchamadoo. We'll just take the words and put them around." Anyway, I'm doing terrible. Australian Paul McCartney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so, Drive Hard is the story of. Uh, Thomas Jane playing the Steve Zahn type character, mm-hmm. and Ju- John Cusack playing the very specific Bill Murray in Where the Buffalo Roam type <laughs> character. Like uh, Thomas Jane is a former race car driver who gave up his dangerous career for his wife and child. Now he's a driving instructor married to a lawyer who doesn't respect him. And he has a daughter who goes to an uppity private school where she dresses like she just walked out of Madeline or Mary Poppins <laughs> mm-hmm. or something. And his wife kind of looks like one of those nagel prints you see in the window of a hair salon. A little bit. Yeah, like a blonde, very severe nagel print. Except whereas nagel girl always like she's – she looks like she's up for some Duran Duran and cocaine. This mm-hmm. woman does not. She is up Too dangerous. <laughs> Too dangerous. Please get those – get those tri- – uh, Drive softer, please. Get those pink neon triangles and purple squiggles away from me, please. You can poke an eye. Out with those '80s graphic elements. Uh, so the, uh, of course, uh, Thomas Jane shows up to work after driving his daughter to school, and he finds that there's a client that's asked for him specifically. It's John Cusack smoking an electronic vape cigarette thing, yep. looking for all the world like Uncle Duke from Doonesbury showed up in a car. And, yeah, and here's you- the thing about those vape cigarette things: they always look like a Java the Hut space hookah. <laughs> <laughs> so every character looks like they just stopped off at like the space tobacconist for some astro juice or something. <laughs> this space tobacconist is full of space eels. <laughs> 
that space money python? That is space money python. <laughs> My space nipples explode with space delight. Ministry of Silly Walks in space would oh, have been boy. great. I mean, the main thing that makes the silly walk an accomplishment was, is gone because gravity is no longer fighting you. But think about how silly those walks could be. That's true. They could be really silly. Uh, we because in space, no one can hear you walk. <laughs> I just want to take a moment. Just edit that one out and talk what, about for sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> we barely started the right. movie. <laughs> you keep going. I'll, I'll get. I'll get to what I'm. Wait, what were you going to say? Say it so you don't. No, forget. no, no. Where are we? Well, you remember. Well, we were about ten minutes. We started in. a movie okay. called Drive Hard. <laughs> okay, so we're John in Cusack Australia and. I'm going to just say this. Cut Thomas, to a shot of guys windsurfing. Tom, yeah, for no reason. Thomas Jane and John Cusack have delightful chemistry. And fully half their scenes seem to be almost completely ad-libbed, where it's just them, like, there's a scene that goes on forever of John Cusack trying to buckle his seatbelt and it not working oh, for a man, long time. Oh, that's great. Uh, John Cusack takes Thomas Jane on a wild ride in the car, breaking all the rules, uh, <laughs> even breaking them to Electric Boogaloo, you might say. Although, I guess that implies it's an electric car, and they, it's not. It's not a Tesla or anything. Uh, it turns out that uh, he's done his research on Thomas Jane. He knows he was a former race car driver, gave everything up, and now he regrets it. John Cusack says, hey, if you can just drive me. Thomas Jane doesn't like it. He feels creeped out. So John Cusack says, drive me back to the driving school. But first, let's stop at the bank. I just need to make a withdrawal. Mm-hmm. But what Thomas Jane doesn't know, but he should have known, considering his client for the day is dressed like Hunter S. Thompson is wearing black driving gloves. Yeah. And, and they're like Under Armour gloves. They look like the kind of gloves you'd wear to play football or, I don't know, strangle somebody. Or to drive well, pretty Well, yeah, hard. I mean, it's Hunter S. Thompson crossed with John Cusack's own character from Gross Point Blank. Like, yeah. I mean, to the degree that I wouldn't be surprised if John Cusack is like, you know what? This is my my secret. Is this is an unofficial sequel to Grocer Point Blank? <laughs> yeah, I'm playing the same character. Grocer Point anyone. Blanker. Yeah, and so much of his scenes with Thomas Jane is just him babbling nonsense, and Thomas Jane kind of taking it seriously. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, oh wow, really? Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you're never sure when the cameras stop rolling or start rolling. It might just be Thomas Jane and John Cusack hanging out in the car set that was built. Well, it feels like... Because uh, <laughs> here's the other thing. John Cusack spends most of the movie sitting down in a car. John Cusack feels like he's like the world's first hipster uh, robber. Like he's doing this as just sort of like a fun project. Yeah. Like to fuck with this guy. Sure. <laughs> the, uh, there's the, the bank robbery. He goes, and he, he goes, he drops him off the bank and he robs the bank. And the bank robbery scene is a masterpiece of being very obviously in a low-budget movie. Uh, wherein John Cusack just kind of like glides into the front door, cut to he's already at the vault in a yeah, room a by himself. Yeah, film of him uh, opening the vault. He opens the vault in very tight close-ups, and then there's like a t- an alarm goes off. There's a tight shot of people's feet running on the ground. John Cusack fires into the air. You don't know if any of these people are in the same room, like, <laughs> and John Cusack leaves the building, and you're like. All those shots could have been shot in different years, for all I know, <laughs> yeah, like, on different this is, continents. This is the first heist I've ever seen done entirely in insert shots. Yeah. Yeah. Scott McCloud would be super impressed with the economy of storytelling here. <laughs> the, the viewer is, in, is doing so much of the work in building up what this heist is. <laughs> I mean, you see almost none of it. The super fun cognitive dissonance of this movie, though, is that it's completely chock full of those, like, I'm a film student making a movie on, like, $500, like, tricks 
but it also has Thomas Jane and John Cusack in it, who you've seen in real, actual movies. In actual, before. they're big. Well, John Cusack's a big star. Thomas Jane never quite made it to that next level. You know, he was always mm-hmm. about to break through. He was He's always like, a Punisher, never a Punisher war zone. Exactly. He's kind of like the Gretchen Mall of uh, of actors, as opposed to actresses, and that everyone was like, "This is the next big guy," and it just never. Well, maybe, really maybe he'll have his Betty Page. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe he'll the movie that where you watch it because he's nude in it. <laughs> yeah, he should. He'll do the. Wait, he gets nude in a movie? I I think he's is he nude in Stander? Is there like a a men's health uh, bodybuilding magazine from like the fifties, <laughs> like sort of like closeted gay magazine? Is there a uh, model he could play? Yeah, in a probably. Biopic? I have to assume uh, Mary so. Mary Heron, yeah, the notorious Bernie Page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he, who's a, got a big mustache and like kind of a pop belly? He was a bank manager by day, but anyway. So John Cusack's like, uh, he's just shooting in the at cops, and he's like, okay, now you are my getaway driver. You are gonna, you're gonna drive me around. I've stolen all this, this a suitcase full of nine. We're million gonna drive dollars. around this town and let the cops chase us around, which they kind of do, but the chase never really exceeds more than what like. 35, yeah, 35 40 miles, miles an hour. 40 miles an hour. And I the, don't know what that is in kilometers per hour, but that's what they like probably use. a million, use. I think. A million <laughs> kilometers an hour. Kilometers are very small. Uh, they, this movie is so... They drive around a couple sets that they obviously rented for the weekend. That's the thing. It's so low budget that it's like, okay, now it's the sequence at the marina docks. Drive around, drive around, drive around. We'll cut this footage together later. It'll look like a chase sequence. It'll be it'll be the same spot, but we're gonna throw water all over it. <laughs> okay, now we're in the storage. Now we're in the storage uh, lockers area. Drive around, drive around. Fire the gun out the window every now and then. We'll just cut it together. We'll cut it together later. It may, it reminds me of a a thing a thing a story I think John Ford used to tell where mm-hmm. if they were waiting for script pages or in when he was first starting out making westerns, not later, but when he was making kind of cheaper westerns earlier. Maybe it was Alan Juan. You know, I think it was Alan Juan who told the story. That like uh, they were like, we're waiting for the script. You know what? All you guys ride your horses up the street this way. Okay, <laughs> now ride them back that way. We'll cut that footage in somehow later. <laughs> like as long as I'm, I'm shooting footage, a horse is running somewhere. We can use it later. It feels like that with cars in this one. I think I've told the story. Well, John Cusack and Tom Jane just just babble at each other. Anyway. Sure. No, I think I've told the story uh, maybe on the podcast. So this before. is a twice told tale. I just can't remember, <laughs> but I remember reading that like every episode of the Rockford Files had a car chase in it. Because they didn't know how long the scripts were going to come in, so they could just expand or shrink the car chase sequence to make sure they're exactly one hour. So this, uh, you know, this sort of technique has been passed down well through the generations, through the generations from the early days of silent westerns to the Rockford Files <laughs> to Drive Hard. <laughs> Truly, a uh, a torchbearer. <laughs> you know, uh, so. It's not long before the news hits the news that Thomas Jane and John Cusack are on the run. The police are after him, but then they're called off because it it turns out John Cusack stole the money from a corrupt mafia bank that also once hired him to steal a diamond. And -hmm. at this point, I thought they're going to try to steal that diamond back. Nope. This movie doesn't have the budget for a fake diamond. (laughs) So instead, they're just stealing. He went to jail because they sold him out. And so now he's stealing money. He feels a bunch of bearer bonds. Nine million dollars in bear bonds, which I assume entitles you to a bear (laughs) when you turn it in at a bear bank. Yeah, I I mean, at least one. (laughs) Nine million bears. It's got to be a pretty good bear. Like, it's got to be one of those top bears. I don't even know if there's that many bears in the world. Yeah, well, what would a top bear be? Pandas are the rarest, right? I would imagine a Teddy Ruxpin because he can talk and tell stories. (laughs) Pandas not actually a bear, though. What is it then? It looks like a bear. 
I mean, it's bear-like. Are oh, you saying it's barely a bear? Like in no, that I'm magazine, you didn't say that. You just said <laughs> that. That magazine, That's terrible. barely legal, which is <laughs> sure. about bears that have not committed crimes. <laughs> it's, about, it's about bears that barely look like bears. They mostly look like very young women, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they look a little bit like bears. <laughs> That's weird. I guess. It's a very specific fetish that I'm sure actually exists kind of bear-like women. <laughs> or I guess they'd be like like anthropomorphic female bears. Yeah, it's like one of those. It's yeah, those it's like the No Girls Allowed Berenstain Bears uh, book. Wait, what? You didn't read that Berenstain Bears book where girls weren't allowed in the boys clubhouse? you're getting no. gross about a, a child <laughs> fictional character. He was talking about anthropomorphized bears. Yeah, yeah, but, but it wasn't talking s- about underage but bears. But in a sexy way. We never get to see what's under you mama bears. You don't know how old those dressed. bears are. They <laughs> call them kids, but... <laughs> in bear years, they could be centuries old. Sure. You don't know. A bear doesn't... You gotta cut them in half and count the rings. <laughs> and you don't know what those men- the mental age of those bears are. Those bears could have old souls. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. You know what? Yeah, they're, more, they're mature beyond their years. And really, isn't that what it counts? That character is... Creepy bear guy. <laughs> Creepy pedophile bear lover, which I assume is what, like, John Muir was, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Just kidding. John Muir was a great man. Anyway, so, uh, long story short, uh, the head of the bank calls off the police because they're corrupt. But that doesn't really, that doesn't stop the federal police, uh, represented by a tough, you know. tough, sexy lady, from chasing, from getting into arguments with the state police. Mm-hmm. And at this point... We're introduced to the least interesting subplot of the movie, which is there's a corrupt policeman who's confl- who's in conflict with this woman FBI type agent. This the movie just forgets <laughs> about for long periods of time. And we and better it if it just didn't wasn't there. To the most hilariously abrupt ending, too, where they just all shoot each other. Yeah, that there are certain things that happen in this movie that are genuinely. And we don't see if any of them survive. We have to assume they all die. No, I yeah. think they're all dead. Like there are things in this movie that are genuinely shocking, and it's not necessarily like that they're so inherently shocking. It's that you don't expect them out of this movie. Yeah. The thing like, is, Australia is, is a dangerous place, up. dude. Yeah, that's we all saw the Mad Max movies, and uh, there's uh, like spiders that'll kill you if they look at you wrong. Wake and fear. But and, I feel uh, like most of the tone of this movie, like this movie, fright. might wake as well be. Uh, it's called Wake and Fear in my head. <laughs> wages of Wake and Fear. It uh, this movie might as well be like one step above the Apple Dumpling Gang for most of it. Like, but then every now and then a character will be like, his head blown off. Yeah. <laughs> so for instance, there's a couple of little mini quests that that our heroes go on as they try to reach some drop off point that John Cusack needs to go to, which is very poorly defined. And even after watching the movie, John Cusack keeps going, "Just got to drive me where I need to go." I'm not sure where he ended up needing to go. Just to a boat somewhere? Like I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, they go to. They I think the journey is the real thing, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Each each uh, hard drive starts with a with a thousand miles on the <laughs> speedometer. Uh, See, like I even now I was like, why is he talking about hard drives? It's called drive. <laughs> Sorry, drive hard. Uh, so the first of these mini adventures is the is the tale of the wedding winery. Oh, they stop off at a winery where a lesbian wedding is going to happen. We see a banner that's they have to that's, they have to stop because they're they're the muscle car they're driving turns out it's to overheated. Be a, yeah, it's a junker. Yeah, John Cusack at certain at a certain point has switched out the driving school car they were in for a muscle car. Uh, he convinces Thomas Jane to keep driving him by shooting him several times with rubber bullets uh, in the butt and the legs. Mm-hmm. And uh, That's what you sit on when you're in a car. <laughs> sure. That would impair his uh, driving ability. But you drive well. The best drivers. It's really their, glu- their, their glutes that are doing most of the work. Well, yeah. your leg. You also use that for a car. Because what happens if he breaks his arms and he has to drive with his butt? Yeah, I guess you use pretty much all your body 
for driving. Not your tongue. Yeah. Well, your tongue. Your torso just sort of like inner is kind of like an intermediate <laughs> part of the. <laughs> it's I just mean, it's engaged. You engage yeah. your core while you're driving. Sure. Yeah. But it's not like you're on a yoga ball or anything while driving. I mean, you could you be. You could be a yoga ball car. Yeah, like in Richard Scarry's, like, uh, a busy busy town healthy place <laughs> like, where they're all doing like the yoga. Like yoga Flintstones. You're kind of rolling along while your little feet's going. <laughs> yep. So the whole car is a yoga ball? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're just sitting on a ball at that point. It's not a car. Yeah. Uh, I, you can't hang a giant rack of ribs on the side of that <laughs> no, ball. No, fall right over. Yeah. So anyway. Fair enough. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. So no. the first, oh, the they first, go to the winery. The first adventure, they go to the winery. They say they're guests at this wedding that hasn't started yet. That it's run by an old man and an old lady who bicker with each other. Inconveniently in, own a muscle car. Yes, uh, they bicker with each other lewdly. They use a lot of swear words. The old lady sees on the TV. Everyone in the movie is all, on, whether on the TV, the internet, the radio, whatever. They're always tuned into the news pertinent to the plot of the movie channel, mm-hmm. where they find out that the people they've just seen are robbers and go after them. So the old lady sees that there's a reward for these robbers and just starts shooting a handgun at them. Thomas Jane has a fist fight. She didn't fight. even see it was alive only, that she wouldn't get the reward if they were dead. Yeah, yeah. She, she, was, just, all, she, her eyes, she was blinded by dollar signs. <laughs> sure, and blood rage. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's swearing and shooting a gun, and Thomas Jane has a fist fight with her. And here's there's a – I'm going to come clean. There's a lot of jokes in this movie I enjoyed. One yeah. of them is John Cusack runs to the car and sits in it. And while Thomas Jane is struggling with this old lady, John Cusack's just honking the horn as if his friend is dawdling at the you know at the house that they're trying to leave. Like uh, Thomas Jane is just wasting time, and so it's he's fighting this old lady, and John Cusack's just like honk honk, let's go, hurry it up. Like Thomas Jane forgot they needed to run away somewhere. Yeah, they escape after the old lady accidentally shoots her husband, thus ending. The Tale of the Wedding Winery. On okay. to the next yes. Minnesota. Please, Chaucer, tell us the next tale. And then there was the tale of the gas station attendant. Gather ye round the fire, and as we go to Beckett's grave, I shall tell thee the tale. It seems our two heroic gentlemen, rogues though they may be, Thomas of Jane and Cusick of John, stopped at a petrol relief station so as to fuel their horseless carriage for the journey anon. Uh, The man at the station, of course, because his computer is set to a a, a desktop screensaver of the current news, (laughs) shows him that there is a reward for these two brigandist gentlemen. He takes out a pumped action shotgun (laughs) and just starts shooting left and right. Uh, John Cusack sneaks around the back and puts his gun to the gas station attendant. After the wackiest chase around the inside of this tiny little gas station. (laughs) There's literally like a pile of sacks in the middle of the room and this guy is just chasing Thomas Jane around it. It's like a Bugs Bunny routine. (laughs) It's not that far off from the scene where Thunder is chasing uh, the guy uh, at the end of Big Trouble in Little China where... uh, where Thunder's chasing Wong back and forth and just stuff keeps flying out yeah. from the signs. Uh, the So John Cusack shows up and he says, hey, buddy, just put the gun down. He puts his guns at the gun. The guy starts putting his pump-action shotgun down and jostles it too much on the floor and it blows his head off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, that was a moment, I think, that was the uh, Christina Hendricks getting it in drive of the movie where I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that to happen so bloody. Yeah, well, because the cops get killed Spoiler later on drive. in the movie. So this is just... Genuinely. But Oscar Isaac is okay, right? Nothing bad happens to him, right? Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, like, imagine 
with like the scene where the kid gets his head blown off in Pulp Fiction, or plant, like, even Planet Terror. Oh no, Pulp no, Fiction in Pulp the car. Fiction. That's not like a Planet Terror is the funniest thing. That's I've like ever a seen. young guy. Yeah, young guy. But, but imagine, in, imagine the shock of that the first time you saw that. But in a movie, unlike yeah, Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction was a that movie. hasn't been filled with violence <laughs> up until that point. Yeah, that, a movie that's been pretty relatively bloodless. Yeah, this has been a except a for PG-13. language. This is a PG thirteen movie, and then. A guy's head just gets blown off. As an accident. As a joke. Which is pretty great, honestly. Like, I did not expect it. But yeah. Yeah, uh, it's out of tone. Thomas Jane, has, the, everyone's all crazed about it. Thomas Jane calls his has a couple of different phone calls with his wife that go, no. Oh, <sighs> There's also, a lot of ends, fucking phone calls, thus dude. Thus ends the quest of the gas station. Yeah. The, the quest of the doomed attendants. <laughs> Now, uh, yeah, there's a I lot think of- somewhere in there we get to know like the villain, the head of the bank, who's also got another like evil crime boss that's like pressuring him Who to get the money released. back. Yeah, we don't see what happens. And to there's him. this funny scene where he's, you know, where we basically find out what the villain's motivations are, and the villain tries to entreat his boss to a drink. And he motions to two glasses of scotch that have already been poured and are sitting on his desk, which is just a great little bit of set dress. There's I also that scotch from the night before, but it, <laughs> yeah. sure, it's still good. It's, I mean, it's, you don't need to put it in the fridge or anything. You'll just put out some yeah, ice just in leave it out. Why not? I mean, it's, it, it's, it it's disinfects itself. Come on, that's the great thing about scotch. Your mouth is dirtier than those glasses are right now. The, there's also the scene earlier where I think it's that same boss is in a meeting and he's just asking questions to this room full of people, and he's like, "Where's the double points? What's the SNP on this? Who's who's got the jump? The you know the the profit drive?" And it's clear that we're an important business. Who's involved in this business? <laughs> business stuff, money things, <laughs> and you can see, tell that. Everyone in the room is an extra who is not being paid to say dialogue. So he's just barking out questions that nobody answers <laughs> to make it look like a meeting is in progress. Yeah, but instead it makes it look like a, he's a madman. <laughs> like they're a bunch of psychologists who have been assembled to oh, I thought make they a were, judgment on him. They were, his ki- they were his kidnap victims. And he's, he has a bizarre fantasy about being <laughs> the CEO of like Killcore or something like that. You just sit there and smile. All right. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought we it was, work for you. We work for you. I thought it was black triple X secure. It is. It's called Black Triple X Security, which sounds they, like a porn site that yep. has a security arm. Have Nightstick, will travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nightstick. Get it? Because once you go know. security, yeah. you'll never go hubberity. <laughs> yep. That's the saying, right? Yep. Yeah. Just like he, just like Wesley Snipes in Bastard Fifty Seven. Bastard Fifty Seven. <laughs> Bastard Fifty Seven. Yeah. It's the story of the, the illegitimate <laughs> child who founded the Heinz Ketchup Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you said in Passenger 57, always bet on security. Always bet on tomatoes. <laughs> always, always bet on tomatoes mixed with vinegar. Good things come to those who wait. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. <laughs> Shoots them with ketchup. Yep. <laughs> Someone, there's something dripping from the ceiling, and they go, is that ketchup? Dripping too fast. That's blood. <laughs> Could be watered down ketchup. No, no, it's it's blood. Trust me. Why is why would blood be dripping from here? Look, let's just investigate. Maybe there's a murder at sixteen hundred or something. It could be. Starts just drinking it. Oh, it is ketchup. No. <laughs> okay, so so another great tangent. Wesley Snipes is ketchup rolls. <laughs> let's deal with that later. Wait, wait he sells rolls with ketchup on. <laughs> Yeah, Wesley Snipes ketchup rolls. They're Dutch potato rolls with ketchup oh, wow, in the in the middle. Delicious. Yeah, they're they're you know it's after the IRS 
heavily garnished his salary because he owed Tony back taxes. Garnished it with ketchup. He needed to find a business sure, to stink some money into. And so he came up with Wesley Snipes' ketchup rolls. It all ties into his movie Blade, which is about a guy who uses a knife to break the now, vacuum seal on ketchup bottles so that it pours out better. Now, I, 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 I space out. So maybe, maybe you... Uh, Surface tension, I guess you'd call it. Maybe you cover yeah. this, but I assume these are like Cinnabon style. Uh, yeah, I covered this in my elaborate thesis. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what you mean by Cinnabon style. It's a Dutch potato roll. Yeah, they're in, oh, in the pork in the middle. I thought it was like, you know, like... It's like it's a pork bun, The ketchup, ketchup is rolled up. Oh, no, no, no. It's just injected like a, in with a Oh, spoiler. you mean like a Swiss roll? Because a Cinnabon is completely different. Uh, I guess they pour most of the frosting over. Hey, guys, want to yeah, hear a Yeah, it's like a joke? drizzle. Want to hear a stupid joke? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the name is Bon. Cinnabon. <laughs> Does it get stupider than that? Does what it says on the label. (laughs) (laughs) No more, no less. So, okay, there's a lot of phone conversations in this. Thomas Jane calls his wife, and they argue. However, uh, John Cusick has convinced Thomas Jane that his wife doesn't respect him and no one respects him because he gave up his career when she asked him to. And he needs to show his wife that he means business by being a bank robber, talking back or whatever. Every time John Cusack finishes a phone conversation, he throws the phone away and shoots it. Uh, or just fires his gun in and that direction. And this is kind of evidenced by the fact that his wife, who claimed to have made him quit because she was frightened for his safety, does not seem that concerned about his safety when it comes to robbing banks. She seems more annoyed. Also, here's the and there's a, there's a scene where she's discovered that her husband is is alleged as a bank robber and is still on the lam. He might be in danger. The cops are chasing. She takes her daughter out of school and goes home and proceeds to make a salad. Mm-hmm. Now, is this the activity of a woman who's worried about her husband's life? Yeah. I ask the jury, is this what a woman would do when worried that the man of her life is in danger? Did you just aff- affix your suspenders just then? I did, but I didn't have yeah. any, so I just pulled my shirt and it looked weird. Uh, she's slicing up a tomato. Maybe for ketchup? We a don't tomato, know. yeah. A tom- maybe she's Some trying to do ketchup. a homemade Wesley Snipes ketchup roll. I don't know. Or drizzled on that salad she's making. <laughs> Heinz ketchup's great on a salad. <laughs> Never heard of that before. That's even worse than the family I grew. I grew up with a friend who his family used to put ketchup on spaghetti. I mean, Thousand Island dressing—that's basically just white ketchup, ketchup, and what like mayo and and uh, and secret spices and relish. What? Oh, relish and thousands of islands. So basically, you're just putting like what you would put on a hamburger, like glooping that all over Mayonnaise your salad on a hamburger. Yeah, you, you, a yeah. lot of people do that. Uh, wrong. Yeah, they do it in Europe, Elliot, and I, they're way advanced and stuff. <laughs> I forgot their their attitude That's where history comes. Their from. attitude towards nudity and hamburgers is so far advanced, <laughs> so sophisticated compared to America. Uh, so, anywho, speak. Did we mention this movie is in Australia? I don't know if we ever mentioned oh, yeah. that. This Sometimes the movie seems to forget that. Considering Thomas Jane and John Cusack are the stars, Thomas Jane. Despite having done an Australian accent in other movies, does not bother with one in this. He's an American. And they cover that. But everything about the movie, it's like you know, his, just, his kind of strange daughter is also American. Yeah, she well, she's half American. Oh, okay. Or American. I think yeah, and I think American comes from the father's well, side. Yeah. Now let's mention a couple scenes. What were we can say, Dan? I was just going to say the, the reason this is in Australia though is it's directed by Brian Trenchard Smith, who uh, directed a previous recommendation of mine. Dead End Drive-In, which I, I really loved. I just sort of randomly chose to watch it on Netflix because I liked other Ozploitation movies. Uh, but this guy has been in the business for a long time. He did, he BMX, did Bandits. BMX Bandits. He did... Uh, oh, shit. I, I forget the other one. It's I think that, he did Omega Code 3. Did he? I believe so. He did a couple of the Leprechaun Is Casper movies. Van Dien in that? Leprechaun 3. 
Uh, Casper a, the Friendly Ghost Van Dien, I think. Yeah, he's a fun director. He died, <laughs> but he's he, very friendly. He seems to have fallen he, upon hard times based on the budget for this movie. I don't know. <laughs> he's never really worked that far above a certain type of budget That's that true. I know of. I mean, he is. This is a guy who's made his living, I assume, for like forty some odd years. I mean, he did like Stunt Rock. I think he did mm. a, a lot of low budget movies. So yeah. I don't think this was him being like, oh, once I was at the top, and now this, you know. That's true. I mean, yep. I mean, he was a young guy back then. But Dead and Driving is like has a lot of. It's like a beautifully shot movie in a way that this. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, he was working with a different cinematographer then, probably. Too. Yeah. Unless anyway. they brought the whole Dead End Drive in team. Yeah, I think it. I looked up that guy. I think he went on to like work with Christopher Nolan later, so he was like a good cinematographer. I might That's moving up. That. But anyway, mm-hmm. moving on up. <laughs> To the big, to the big, to the deluxe Batman. Danny, if that's moving up, then I'm moving up. I'm moving up. That's not how the song goes. Moving up. All of a sudden, like it, we learned that this has all been a backdoor pilot for Stuart Bing in that Billy Joel musical. I guess it was moving out. Moving out. Because the name of the song is moving out and not moving up. Bottle red, bottle wine, bottle ketchup, bottle mustard. You can have anything you want in our diner restaurant. Oh boy. This is don't, don't don't cheapen my joke. <laughs> Stewart's move, Stewart's musical moving up, which is wait, he changed Billy Joel's songs just enough not to get sued. Yep, Willie Joel. We didn't start a thingy. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Don't sue me. You can't. In the That's middle a lot of, the of changes, evening, right there. <laughs> I go walking while I'm dozing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man, I know. I'm just thinking Billy Joel songs. <laughs> Uh, so I'm on the up Western <laughs> Alexa. Anyway, so there's a, so John Cusack has a scene where he calls up the head of the bank for no reason other than to taunt him and tell him his wife is ugly, is terrible, but he had sex with her anyway, and he didn't like it. Yeah, he's just really mean. And uh, it's one of it's one of any pointless phone calls in the movie, leading us all to the final of the minisodes, the tale of the beat up bikers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was great. It's a, a team of bikers are briefly hired by the bank to follow them. Mm-hmm. They have a low-speed engagement, <laughs> like 10 miles an hour. Involves, I think, some swearing, maybe? They swear. And some aggressive driving. Thomas Jane changes gears and drives around them, <laughs> stops at a hotel for a drink. The bikers show up, and John Cusack, it's one of those things where John Cusack pulls a gun. The, uh, Thomas Jane's getting in a, is in a fist fight. Even before that, there's a moment where Thomas Jane's having an interaction with the bikers, and yet again, he's talking to them, and instead of actually responding to him, they just shake their heads or nod their heads. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have well, a lot of, they yeah, can't say lines. Yeah, not they can't do, do lines. They start firing at the ground, making Thomas Jane jump in the air. It's very Pee Wee Hermony. And then <laughs> it's one of those types, and then it gets into a fist fight where someone holds Thomas Jane. A woman biker goes to punch him. He moves his head, and she accidentally punches the guy holding him. And the guy holding him isn't like, you didn't mean to hit me. You meant to hit Thomas Jane. I saw what happened. If he we're was a reasonable this- man, he wouldn't be in this biker game. <laughs> we're all on the same team here. That's why we're wearing jackets with the same logo on the back. We're all part of the Queensland Skull folks. That Look, we're all on the same team. Instead, he's... The Sunshine he's- State? Queensland? Queensland, which as a license plate tells us is the Sunshine State, which is bullshit. <laughs> There's one Sunshine State. It's called Flowrider, and it's a mm-hmm. rapper. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It does that song about the boots with the fur. Oh, okay. And that's all I know. I like that one. Uh, yeah, so you sure do. Yep. It, it briefly it makes almost... makes me get low. 
Like it almost turned low, 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 low. Yep. It almost turns. Oh, in- I'm getting low. <laughs> we all have a low. Some is higher, some is lower. Did you ever sue a guy who sang a song so different from yours? Don't sue me now, Billy Joel. I changed a lot of the song. Only the good guys are young. <laughs> <laughs> Only good guys are young. Only good guys are young. Bad guys are old and only good guys are young. Mr. Miyagi down on Mulligan Street. (laughs) (laughs) Billy Joel said, I'm looking into legal action. Who remembers where it all can ban out there in some guy's place? <laughs> it's no man's land. Um, by the way, I the I was wrong about the cinematographer, but the guy who uh, wrote Dead and Drive, Drive In is Peter Carey, the novelist who wrote Oscar and Lucinda, among other things. Oh, okay. So. I never saw that. I know there's two people in it named Oscar and Lucinda. Um, well, <laughs> you had to be a great shot, did you? Shooting that's, things that's really great. You had to be a great shot. Oh, yeah. Shooting up the robots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't shoot those robots. Anyway. Billy Joel. Uh, uh, So, bikers. Anyway, the bikers. So, we get into a real fracas. We get one of these. It's all rocking chairs to me. (laughs) Sorry. Just had to get one. Everybody's Uh, talking about those new chairs, buddy, but I'll tell you, rocking chairs to me. Oh boy! Uh, what other what other uh, what other Billy Joel songs are there? Um, uh, uh, yeah. Admiral Trips will get you high tonight. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you have a surprisingly deep uh, knowledge of Billy Jersey. Joel songs. I grew up in New Jersey. My parents listened to a lot of Billy Joel oh, songs. Okay. I was trying to think of one off of Pressure, but I'm having trouble. My dad was big on uh, the Simply Red. I'm just remembering <laughs> Simply Red and Steely Dan. I <laughs> uh, see. My my family was big on Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, but not Bon Jovi. We weren't that type of New Jersey. Sure. I mean, like, Billy Joel's cool really a Long Island musician. New Jersey claims him somewhat, but he's a Long Island musician. We're living here in Albert Town. <laughs> We're living here in Allen's Town. <laughs> Allen owns it, and D lets us live here. Oh, wow. I'm glad he specifies. <laughs> it's a different song. Different song with William Joel. Um, are we... Done with the synopsis yet? No, we're we... not done. So I'm we're just, still I'm fighting just, bikers. There's this All biker right. fight that almost turns with into biker mice from Mars. <laughs> no, no <laughs> cowboys from Mumesa. None of them. No Leather street sharks. Phobos. No, no, no chains. Hollywood chainsaw hookers. All right. Is there a bolorama possibly filled with yeah. bimbos <laughs> with a slime ball? <laughs> Wait, sorority babes. <laughs> oh yeah, sorority babes and a slime I ball. Wait a minute, I saw like... a different movie. <laughs> What's that rollerbladers movie? Uh, roller Babies? Ro- no, that's... That's, that's Roller Babies. babies. Roller like, Babies probably would have been a better balls. name. Like the ro- there's like the Roller Blade 7 or something? Uh, like Airborne? No, Airbud. That's what they... Uh, uh, well, meet, Airborne meet is a rollerblading movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> Joanna Man. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, so this almost turns into a kind of Hal Needham bar fight scene where everybody's punching everybody until John Cusack comes in with his guns. The bikers a pull blazing. out... The bikers pull out yeah. their guns... John Cusack and Thomas Jane hide behind the bar, and the bikers take that as the cue to leave. Because the scene has to be over. Let's go, everybody. 
They get distracted yeah, and like, ex- walk off. I expect a fucking <laughs> yeah. whistle to blow and it'd be like quitting time. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those old sheepdog and, and wolf cartoons from Looney Tunes. They're at each other's throats and then, see you tomorrow, Frank. See you tomorrow, Ralph. Time to go back to that gas station and eat one of those meat pies that look so good. Those did look good. Those were big meat pies. Uh, so Michael Maltese with the gags. I don't know if that's him. It He's might funny. have been. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of those gags. They called him the Maltese Falcon. Did they? No. All right. Why would they call him that? <laughs> <laughs> He's not a bird. <laughs> so the, uh, but it is, it is, it, there are many scenes where it feels like the movie ran out of money for that scene, so it just ends. That's one of them. The bikers, it's, maybe they planned a big shootout, and it's like, uh, just realize that John Cusack is doing overtime. Yeah, right there's going to be a bunch of like, like the bikers start getting shot. One of them hides behind the pool table, and somebody else is like, "Don't you fucking die on me, man!" Yeah, someone shoots the billiard balls by accident. And they all get knocked into the holes. Sure, it's like a raid sort of situation where they, you know, they get. It's like it's all about the environment, and somebody pulls out a machete. Oh, I thought you meant a raid situation because like cockroaches start running around going raid, <laughs> and then someone sprays them. <laughs> yep. Uh, that would be the mo- that would make it more like life less ordinary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this movie. It was around this time that I think Stuart, you were mentioning it. This felt like like a '90s movie where people are just running around shooting each other. Like basically, this is a life ordinary. A life, yeah, a life somewhat ordinary. Uh, the so let's just cut to the chase, which the movie rarely does. For a movie called Drive Hard, <laughs> very little chasing in it. Uh, they end up at a marina. The good guys defeat the bad guys. Don't the, worry. I think it's been running out for the weekend so they can do whatever they want. <laughs> as yeah. long as they clean up after themselves. Yeah. And it's one of those fight scenes where John Cusack has chained up the main bad guy and is just ta- babbling some story about a monastery to him. Well, Thomas Jane drives around while a guy chases him just shooting in the air wildly. <laughs> chases until him John- on foot. Yeah, that's right, on foot. Well, Tom, and then Tom Stane eventually just kind of like car. just bumps him with the car and knocks him down. Yeah, the, the 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 bad guys hired goons are basically like kids at a laser tag arena, <laughs> just running around <laughs> blasting indiscriminately. Uh, While Thomas Jane like circles around like a fucking shark. The good cops and the bad cops meet up on a on a abandoned road and shoot each other. Yeah, never they have to a Mexican standoff that ends in them just like shooting simultaneously, which was also kind of hilarious because like this has been. A major uh, like subplot for the entire movie, and it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, we got some extra characters that we just I, we don't know what to do with, so just we'll get rid of them. I guess they'll feed the dingoes. <laughs> we got ex- <laughs> extraneous stuff. The and we could cut their scenes from the movie. No, leave it in, <laughs> even though it never really intersects with the main plot. Just deal with it. Uh, they beat the bad guys, and Thomas Jane lets. John Cusack go. John Cusack handcuffs him to the car and beats him up to make it look like he was a hostage the whole time. Even though by now they become friends, and Thomas Chain has Chain had chosen to continue the mission in order to impress his wife with his badassery. They're not as close as Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson in the chase. No, because in that movie those characters have sex. Yeah, maybe, it's maybe true. they had sex off camera. I don't know. Well, that would have been Charlie Sheen is driving. Yeah, it's really great. And And they're not as close as Robert De Niro while being chased by Henry Rollins and two of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I guess (laughs) pick uh, any two. Yeah, jalapeno. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ghost and Jalapeno. Two of the peppers. The uh, and they're not as close as Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin at the end of Midnight Run. No, did they have sex? Yes, they're yeah, not as close did. as John as it was Steve, very loving as Steve Martin and John Goodman in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, who don't have sex, but one of them puts their hand in the other one's butt. Yeah, and they share Thanksgiving together. 
It's implied. We don't know that John Goodman actually John that uh yeah, John, John Candy. Candy. Sorry, not John Goodman. John Candy. We know that John Candy actually sticks around. He's just at the door crying to himself. Oh, my <laughs> wife died. Oh, I'm annoying. <laughs> yeah. oh. And Steve Martin's wife is like, you get that uh you get that shower ring salesman out of here. You get Uncle Buck the fuck out of our house. <laughs> yep. He came in with a drill. He drilled the door open. I forgot Who it does was, that I on forgot, Thanksgiving? I forgot he was a shower ring salesman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he makes money for them uh, by selling the shower rings as earrings. Ah, that's true, right? Yeah, the old earring showering grift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oldest tr- trick in the book. So they're not as close as the little kid and Ed O'Neill at the end of Dutch? Not no. a, Well, I mean, that's literally his stepdad, I think, so, yeah. <laughs> they don't have sex in that, either. <laughs> no. no, but they do look at nudie playing cards, <clears throat> and at one point the boy falls asleep with his face on a girl's boob. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where uh, sounds like a great adventure they had together. <laughs> no, not until the end when they went to Great Adventure, a Six Flags theme park. Very specifically, not Wally World, as that would be. Um, no, but also has John Candy in it. Okay, we're, so we're back around. The anyway, in the end, everybody's something. happy. Thomas Jane turns down John Cusack's offer of money. Thomas Jane he doesn't becomes, need it anymore. He becomes a local hero. Hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's a movie set yeah. in that part of the world. Uh, he becomes a local hero and gets sponsorship money to become a race car driver again. His wife now respects him and has sex with him again because he's now a badass. Mm-hmm. And doesn't cut his the hair, movie though. just kind of keeps going. And the same reporter that we've seen reporting the story throughout the film because she's on call twenty four hours a day mm-hmm. wraps up the tale. The tale. Well, the the very end. Drive hard. Speaking of tales, the end of the movie ends with a shot of race cars driving around a, a track, which is the opening shot of the movie. So it's like a full circle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like how life is a circle of us running around in circles on a track. Uh, uh, okay, I don't know. That's a weird and weird metaphor. <laughs> so, if only it could be less ordinary, oh, yeah, and somebody right. could be claymation or something. We, uh, so we started late and we're going long. Um, this, <laughs> this movie was it a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? I'm gonna go first. This is between. Good, bad, and the movie in the scenes that don't have Cusack and Thomas Jane, and movie I kind of liked in the, in the scenes that had both of them. Because the funny thing to me is like Thomas Jane is supposed to be the straight laced normal hero, and I feel like he walked onto set, saw John Cusack, and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna play it that way? Well, I'm gonna ham it up too. I'm gonna out ham you, even though I'm supposed to be the normal one in this situation." <laughs> and John Cusack was like, "You out ham me." Get me a vape smoker. <laughs> <laughs> so I really dug their scenes together. They only had, had enough fun watching this They only had enough money for one e-cigarette yeah. in the budget. Yeah, yeah so I'm, gonna, say. I'm with Dan. I actually am just going to give it a full force movie. I kind of liked the stuff. Like you're saying, when when uh, John Cusack and Thomas Jane were not on camera, it was very boring. But there's not those. I mean, for the most part, it's them just kind of improvising scenes for the most part with each yeah. other or just like treating the script as cavalierly as possible <laughs> and hamming it up as much as possible. Like the scene where John Cusack is trying to get his seatbelt out and just can't do it while they're driving is so goofy. And, uh, it, and it really, goes on and on. It's the same gag of him not being able to put his yeah, seatbelt on. It really does feel like they, they said, you know what? Why are we taking this movie seriously? Come on. Let's just do this thing. Yeah, we're on vacation in Australia. It's the first time I've seen John Cusack in a movie in years where it looks like he's enjoying himself at all. That's true. Like, and he's not being super creepy or serious or something. You guys, I'm going to blow your mind because I totally agree with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to Australia. Wait, what? <laughs> 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 
They've got just two days to get to Australia, which is okay. It's like a 24-hour flight, so they can make it. <laughs> okay, well. So, but yeah, we uh, this was, I've, I've had good luck in the past with movies from Australia, and I had it again. Yeah. It was That's, just the moment when the, when. Thanks, you goofy comic. <laughs> when Thomas Jane got into the car with John Cusack, I think the three of us looked at each other and were like, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Also, when we saw that it was a 99-cent rental. <laughs> That's the other thing. <laughs> the unreleased in theaters movie was a 99-cent yeah, rental. You, you rent something from Amazon. Usually, Usually it's $3.99 H- minimum. HD, yeah, that's SD. Yeah, it's, it's $4.99. This was 99 cents. Both, HD and SD. I think SD, they're just giving it away. Yeah, might, SD, it said, it. I said plus 99 cents. <laughs> We're going to credit your account 99 cents for watching this. So I would say best Flophouse value, certainly. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. So the, use that 99 cents to buy, I don't know, fishing lures reports. or something? This, consumer reports? This is a movie that's a mix of low-budget ingenuity and not giving a shit. There's a scene where a car flips over because of an explosion, and you can totally see the jack underneath the car that makes it flip. And uh, there's something beautiful in that. Again, not a, there's no thrills to this movie. For, no. as, a, as a heist None. movie and an action movie, it is terrible. But as a movie where Thomas Jane and John Cusack hung around, hang around in a car. Or, a where they ride. hired a biker gang to drive around a car, and then that's it. I mean, you could recut this movie, make it 60 minutes long, and it would be essentially the trip but with John Cusack and Thomas Jane instead of Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, and it would be a much better movie. Yeah. So five stars, best of the year. Oh, 500 stars. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's move on to letters from listeners. Better Um, than Fury Road, says Dan McCoy. (laughs) Uh, The best thing to come out of Australia, full stop. That's what I said. Do we have any sponsors or anything tonight? No, not tonight. I know you Ooh. like that sweet cheddar. But. I do. Well, I like mild cheddar. <laughs> sweet not not a sweet cheddar, yeah. Like honey baked into the cows or something, so the milk comes out sweet. Yeah, well, you don't bake into a cow. <laughs> Next thing you told me, you can't get a roll with some ketchup in the middle. Uh, so it's letters time. There you go. So this, <laughs> We're running late. Let's do it, people. Come first on. First letters from David Last. I come help. from a letter down under. He writes where words write and people write letters. Dear flop can you Mike. hear? Can you hear? Can you hear the letters mm-hmm. in a big letter? Letters stay with you like the melting sun on a mountain thing. Stay awake. Sorry. What's another? Because our beds are letters. Uh, <laughs> wait, which one did you say? Uh, big country and uh, and. Um, Land down under. Land down under. We just did midnight oil. And oh midnight boy! Oil. So what other ones are there? Oh Jesus! You can is... letter if you want to. You can write us all a letter because <laughs> your friends don't. I don't know if they're Australian. Australian? I don't even. They, know. I know they don't have hats. Yeah. Which you would need in Australia because the hot sun Subject is down on your head. Hatless. Repeat. <laughs> hatless. Is that The Simpsons? Yeah. Um. So this is from. <laughs> it goes like this: Dear Flopmeisters, working my way slowly through the back catalog. Flopmeisters. Provides nice context Master to understand. Master Flopmeisters since 1647. <laughs> to understand the intangible chemistry that makes the original peaches work so well together. Uh, like rock, paper, and scissors, the Three Stooges, the Holy Trinity of Star Wars movies, the Marx Brothers, not counting Zeppo, the Three Musketeers, or etc. Gummo. The sum is greater than its parts. Which brings me to my main question. Who would be the best like-for-like replacement host? I could see comic and movie fan Patton Oswalt as super talkative and name-dropping Manic Pixie stand-in for Elliot. 
We all know that Stewart has a switch the cores for dope doppelganger in Seth Rogen. Sorry, Stu. Even Dad, the pot Dan, the potto maker, has to take <laughs> a break. That's his name. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get through this before you interrupt me. Oh, uh, drab, I guess. <laughs> if there's one sound humans can make that you should know how to make, Even it is the one that denotes her. you. Me, drab McBoy. Even Dan, the potto maker, <laughs> has to take a break sometimes. What's a potto maker? I don't know. Pod P-O-D? Yeah. Oh, like podcast. Yeah. If only there was someone with basic digital audio skills and a mournful sigh. Uh, yeah, DJ Eeyore. Down with <laughs> the Electronica o- Donkey. Down with OPP, David last name withheld. I feel like we should suggest suggest, suggest replacements for each other rather than for, for ourselves. ourselves. Well, I thought Jordan Jordan Morris uh, from Jordan Jesse Go was a lovely Elliot Stanton. He did a very good job. He doesn't have Elliot's manic energy. He's not as wow. irritating as I am. That's true. He isn't. He brings a level of professionalism that I refuse to get to work towards. <laughs> yeah, a level of non-interruptingness. For Stuart, I think I would suggest one of those Easter Island heads. Okay. Handsome. handsome. Doesn't say as much as you'd like. Okay. Um, and for Dan... I guess you should have done Stuart. You know, you do Stuart. Forget it. Yeah, to me. Uh, to me, Dan. <laughs> George to Lazenby. Me. Oh, interesting. And for Dan, I'm going to say Rhea Perlman. Thanks. I think of myself as sort of a sassy Italian-American sort of character. Yeah. Um, so we'd all be uh, actors from Cheers. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Cheers with an Easter Island head. And Jordan Morris. <laughs> Great casting. So almost nobody from Cheers. <laughs> almost nobody from Cheers. That's going to be on Rhea Perlman's tombstone. Love, but I also just love that. Yeah, well, Rhea Perlman's grave will have almost nobody from Cheers in it. Just get a one person. But I, I love that as a description of anything. Like, you go to see we can't a do Broadway, partial people. You see, like, a Broadway musical that's advertised as starring almost nobody from Cheers. But it means there's got to be someone from Cheers in it. I don't know. It's the guy who played uh, Paul. He's in it. Paul? <laughs> the, guy, the guy who barely said anything. <laughs> like, he was uh, Cliff's friend. Cliff didn't have He's one friends. of the barflies. Oh. Maybe Cliff did have friends. We all have friends, Elliot. Yeah. Even though sometimes we don't feel like we do. <laughs> you want to go where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't know your name. And you think your name is, what was it, Dab? Yeah. Dad? I said Dad. <laughs> that all is right? some psychological Freudian <laughs> shit right there. Um, so this is titled, Letter from the Grave. Huh? <laughs> Dear Elliot, Dan, Hallie, and Stuart, in order of who's most least culpable for my death. Well, Hallie's the star. I ignored <laughs> I ignored the first hard ask Elliot made for us to become Max Fun members, quote, right now, because I thought surely he didn't mean right now. You were wrong. By the second demand, it became clear that Elliot did mean right now, and Dan seemed to back this up. So I went to the Max Fun website right now, and my car is in the Hudson, and I'm dead now. Are you satisfied? <laughs> you will be hearing from my ghost attorney, hauntingly yours, Remy. Last name provided because I'm dead now, and what harm can it do, Maisel? Who we, of course, it's our pal Remy. Yeah. Who shows up? At she, every I guess is a ghost now. 
Yeah, and she's a she's a, a diehard Flophouse fan, and that she's dead now. <laughs> but uh, she died hard, driving hard. What were we saying? The sexiest things are the things that you can't. What <laughs> you can't, you can't see? You can't see. You can't, so you and Casper can get together. Is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I thought well, you were saying happily she's, a, she's an adult. <laughs> Casper's still a kid. Casper will never. <laughs> Casper is still a little well, boy. It's later than when we talked. <laughs> a little boy. Does sorry. he have legs or is he like a not me? No, no, he has legs. It's those other a, ghosts that don't have legs. Yeah, he doesn't age because he's a don't. ghost. He's for, yeah, he he's doesn't like a age because what kind of weird universe where it would be where you would die and your ghost would keep aging? What yeah, kind what of kind of terrible purgatory does he live in? Come on. So you got all these decrepit thousand-year-old ghosts wandering around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, falling down and breaking their ghost right. hips. That's the thing I should be made up fun of for. Um, um, so yeah, everybody should go out and become uh, uh, donors for the Max Fun and blood. Uh, just that's right, our great right now. Donate yeah, right blood, now, blood, literally right now. Car, right or now. I don't know in class. <laughs> yeah, performing yeah. surgery. And guess what I want to say is right now. Hey, we're or here tomorrow. tomorrow. Right now, Max Come Fun. On. It's everything. Oh wow! He's the Edge and Bono. Bum bum. Notice that that Van Halen song is so shitty. I've confused it with a U two song. I was not going to call attention to it. Yeah. So this last letter for Elliot. Foreign Four lone Elliots? Words. I'm seeing quadruple here. <laughs> Foreign loan words. A lot of Simpsons references. Foreign loan words in Japanese and Huttese. Note, it may be necessary for Elliot and Stuart to assist Dan with his pronunciation of the foreign words in this letter. Hello, floppers. Long-time listener, first-time writer. I have an answer to a statement Elliot pondered over a long time ago about why the Huts do not have their own phrase for Jedi mind trick. <laughs> and that actually links to a similar statement Elliot made in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. Oh, yeah, that the Japanese have no word for turtle soup. Yeah. <laughs> he refuses to believe that turtle soup in Japanese would simply be Tatoro Supo. That is to say, the English phrase said with a Japanese accent. As an Englishman living in Japan, I can tell you the Japanese use a combination of English and Japanese words for everyday life. The Japanese actually have an entire script used for writing foreign words called Katakana which is very often just the English word said in Japanese syllables. For example, Japanese has its own word for chicken, tori, and rice, gohan, but the phrase chicken rice is transliterated as chicken raisu. Likewise, rent-a-car is simply rent-a-ka. So while the Japanese do have their own words for turtle and soup, the phrase turtle soup was likely introduced to them by Americans, and hence they would use the transliterated English phrase rather than translating it into Japanese. Because they're, what, lazy? They're too lazy to use their own language. They go to the trouble of using another language. So it's entirely possible that the Hutties does have its own word for mind and trick, but the Huts choose to keep the foreign phrases phonetically intact. I'm not a Star Wars expert, so I cannot be certain, but I hope Elliot enjoys this interpretation. Love your show. Keep on flopping. Graham, last name withheld. Huh, it's an interesting interpretation. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and say that I don't believe the Japanese, who are an industrious people, do, would do that. But I do believe the Huts, who are big, fat, lazy slobs who lie around on daises with ladies would and just glock- use monkey the galactic lizards just crawling all over them, would just be too lazy to use their own words. Mm-hmm. But then every other word he uses is Huttese. Yeah. Bantha Pudu, et cetera. Bantha Pudu, maybe Bantha's a Huttese word. No Jabba Wanga. Yep. Except then he uses the word no. 
Maybe no is also huddy is the same way it's both Amer- English and Spanish. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, it's a deep well, guys. We could go down this hole forever. Let's go down this hole. The hut hole. <laughs> just, <laughs> Gross. Just cuddle, just cuddle in this I hole. guess that's the sarlacc. Yes, the sarlacc is the hut hole. It's like a giant space anus <laughs> lined with teeth. Or spanus. <laughs> so, Dan, what do we do now that the letters are over? Not uh, a lot of letters tonight. Well, we were running. Long. We are running very long. So, so uh, we had to bump a couple. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is the part of the podcast where we recommend movies, movies that we liked. This is the part nobody likes. Uh, Except us. Elliot, why don't you go first? Me? You've been going last a lot lately. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so let's save the best for first. And uh, just kidding. Roasted. I'm going to recommend two movies, both Australian. Why two? It's okay. one. What? That's a K. So that's Spanish? After you said Y2K. Oh, I see. I thought you were saying you were saying K, like no. in Spanish. It was <laughs> even dumber than that. But not as dumb as my Bon, Cinnabon joke. <laughs> that's true. So, uh, I guess you're winning this the, episode? Yeah. Yep, in terms of stupid. Uh, there's two, I'm going to recommend two movies. Uh, both of them I liked, but one's for the ladies and one's for the dudes. Both Australian. For the ladies, a little movie, but guys can watch the lady movie and ladies can watch the guy movie. I'm just saying. Stereotypical mm-hmm. wise. It's like Outback Steakhouse in Australia. It's no rules just right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, you can murder someone at an Outback yeah. Steakhouse. <laughs> I mean, there's that no rule onion. against it. <laughs> yeah, you can have a giant fried onion. <laughs> the rules saying I can't have a giant fried onion. <laughs> so for ladies, I'm going to recommend a movie called My, My Brilliant Career. Uh, yeah. which is a period film starring Judy Davis and Sam Neill when they were both young, kind of beginning actor and actress, and uh, about a high-spirited young woman who is being pressured to marry in turn-of-the-century Australia, but she wants to be a writer. She doesn't want to play by anybody's rules. She's got a prankish sense of humor. In many ways, it is Anne of Green Gables in Australia, uh, and it's a good, solid woman who wants to make her own way in the world but falls in love type movie. And the cinematography in it is beautiful. There's a number of scenes shot in different types of daylight or twilight that are really pretty. And the acting is really good in it. So my brilliant career for the ladies and for the men, a male subject, war. That's right. Australian classic, Breaker Moran. Uh, The film about the Boer War and three Australian soldiers who are court-martialed for massacring prisoners of war. Uh... Is it really their fault that they committed these acts, or is it the inhuman system that has led them to this point? Who knows? But it's uh, really well-directed and well-acted and, again, beautifully shot. Uh, so for the ladies, my brilliant career, and for the men, Breaker Morant. Or switch them up if they want. Or do it the other way around, yeah. Guys, get in touch with your feminine side, and ladies, watch some Australians shoot the shit out of some Boer settlers. Sounds great. Dan. Uh, I want to recommend. I rewatched recently The Dirty Dozen, which is just a very enjoyable movie. The real movie. Dirty Dozen or like a porn movie? No, The sure. Dirty Dozen, the uh, Robert Aldrich mm-hmm. movie. Uh, he directed the porno? He There's, did. He was, he was hard on his luck, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a great fan of uh, what Quentin Tarantino and others have called the uh, Men on the Mission, Men on a Mission movie, your uh, Dirty Dozens, your Guns of Navarones. Mm hmm. Uh, I guess the great escape is is sort of than that, although sure. that's kind of 
What about your seven you know, seven samurais? Like, I mean, their mission is escape. It's to escape. It's, it's kind of a heist movie in a way. Uh, your Armageddon. Yeah. Your Magnificent Sevens. Well, that's the thing. Like Armageddon is actually probably the modern equivalent, which is irritating <laughs> that, that we've fallen so far. But um, you ever seen the Professionals? Uh, what's that? With Lee Marvin. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a great. That's one. a good one. What that's about the manager. Fantasy Mission Force? With Jackie Chan. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't seen that one. It's really great. But I think that you're right that Armageddon is a descendant of this type of movie because the great thing about these classic... It's amazing. <laughs> no, Crazy. That's not what I'm <laughs> crying. <laughs> Walk this way, dude. Looks like a lady. <laughs> the great thing about these old Men on the Mission movies Just is... Just play. They were a mix of... Great Hollywood tough guys and great Hollywood character actors. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what got passed down to modern uh, action movies is stocking up on these character actor side. But you got in Dirty Dozen, Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgnine, Charles Bronson, John Cassavetes, Jim Brown. You got George Kennedy. You got Telly Savalas. Uh, it's just a cra- uh, Donald Sutherland. It's a crazy lineup of... Just fun people to watch. And uh, Robert Aldrich uh, directed other great, uh, very like masculine movies. Like, But in addition, he also Kiss, did... Kiss Me Deadly, but he also did Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And which Hush, is Hush, like, Sweet Charlotte. Yeah, yeah which are like but he did, the campiest ladies' pictures you could... Uh, but he did like Flight of the Phoenix. He, he There's a certain sort of like high-class uh, filth to yeah. Robert Aldrich's movie, which is really great. And, you know, Dirty Dozen has a classic setup. You know, it's it's... Twelve military prisoners given the chance at uh, you know getting their freedom by going on this suicide mission, which is you know just a great pulp uh, setup for an action movie, and it's just fun start to finish. Yeah, it's like a, Wages of Fear. And they got a, <laughs> um, uh, a little I mean, bit, kind it's of, a little less existential than Wages of Fear. And, a, and there's a there's a lot of great character scenes in it, and a lot of great. It's a pretty funny movie too. Yeah, the scene where Donald Sutherland has to pretend oh, to be a general. Terrific. It's fantastic. <laughs> Where are you from, soldier? He says the sound. Never heard of it. <laughs> he's walking around like he's just saying all the stupid things he's heard generals say before. He goes, so he's looking at this this formation of guys. He's like, very pretty, uh, Colonel, but can they fight? And it's like all these stupid ass things that yeah. generals say in movies. And I mean, like the, the funny thing too is like his character is has been shown to be a half wit yeah. <laughs> through most of the movie. So you know instinctively that he's just imitating these other generals that he's seen. But, uh, yeah, that's my right. <clears throat> I'm going to recommend another Australian movie. Before you make jokes, I'm going to recommend a movie called The Interview. You, you, didn't, ma- you didn't make any jokes? Starring Seth Rogen and James Franco? No, I'm recommending a movie called The Interview from 1998. Uh, it's an Australian thriller starring Hugo Weaving, Elrond himself, Mr. Smith. Elrond Hubbard? Wait, Agent Smith. Uh, Elrond Hubbard. I think he's best known as Tom Hanks's top-hatted hallucinatory <laughs> bad guy in Cloud Atlas. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, he's terrifying in that movie. In the future where he's in, like, yellow face. Yeah, as the uh, Cajun slash from Guns N' Roses <laughs> with reptile skin. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the interview is a... He's uh, one of the few actors whose name is also a description of an action. Hugo, <laughs> Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Uh, so it's a movie where Hugo Weaving gets picked up uh, by a detective, 
And at first it seems like he's being interviewed about a relatively minor crime. And you can, at the same time, you're seeing the detective has a lot of pressure on him. And it's slowly revealed that, uh, that it's a much bigger case and it involves a serial killer. And you're seeing the detective has a lot of pressure on him. And you start to wonder really what's going on with, uh, you initially feel sympathy for Hugo weaving. And then over time you wonder whether or not that sympathy is misplaced. Uh, it's a great tense little thriller, and I recommend it. So sounds good. Three great recommendations, along with four. Actually, I hard, which, uh, <laughs> you probably won't like because you haven't been watching bad, 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 terrible movies for years you, and years and years. It definitely but, this movie you enjoy it more when you've been watching a bunch of boring bad movies before it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but if you got a if you got. Watching John Cusack try and put on a seatbelt for 20 minutes. It's fucking great, <laughs> yeah. man. Two guys really Cops throw a party, man. Yeah. Watching Thomas Jane taking every line and, and doing it as if he's like just trying to remember what the next word in the sentence is for minutes at a time. Yeah. If you like that stuff, this movie's for you. It's like Thomas Jane saw Bill Paxton in Aliens and was like, I want to hold that pitch through the whole movie. <laughs> through the whole movie. Just game over, man. Game over. Constantly. Uh, but... Everything has to come to an end, and that applies to this podcast as much as it does the heat death of the universe. So, mm-hmm. on that note, well, uh, so you're you're putting the podcast on a cosmic scale. <laughs> yep, because mm-hmm. then we're we're literally just moats in the eye of God. I mean, we are masters of the mystic arts, all of us. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Doctor Strange. Elliot's a Dormammu. I'm a more of a Baron Mordu. I wish I was a Dormammu. <laughs> Give me a funny name. Uh, you Funny get- name. These are <laughs> beloved and hallowed characters. When Benedict Cumberbatch is playing one of them, you'd be like, "Oh, I always knew who Baron Mordo was." I know was. who Doctor Strange is. I don't know the other one. Uh, you don't know who Dormammu ones. is. Dormammu? You can be Mephisto, dude. All right, that's a cool name. Mephisto, yeah. dude, the surfer version. <laughs> of Mephisto. Hey, my flaming hair looks great. Why don't I tempt your soul, Silver <laughs> Surfer? I can surf too. This podcast is over. I'm Dan McCoy. That was Dan McCoy. Over there is Elliot Kalen. And just saying that is Stuart Wellington next to Dan McCoy. Good night, everyone. McCoy! Moving up. <laughs> yeah, we want to keep it keep it nice and cool. Oh, yeah. That's what, that's what Mayor de Blasio has told everybody. <laughs> keep go it to, cool. Go to your cooling stations in Dan's apartment. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Just hang out there. Drink a lot of agua. Okay, let's do this. And <laughs> we should have called it agua. Yeah, because he's been taking Spanish for mayors. <laughs> Spanish for mayors. <laughs> We've got a lot of crime in the calles. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. And we host the first podcast ever made, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Every Monday, we put out the first ever advice comedy podcast ever. They found our podcast on Dead Sea Scrolls. We're the Hammurabi Code of podcasts, and we're ready to entertain you with jokes that we invented the first jokes. So join us every Monday on MaximumFun.org. You'll never crack our code, Dan Brown. Just try me. It's history in the making. And in the faking. And it's all yours for the taking.